Welcome to the Testimony Podcast, people of faith telling the stories that matter from their lives. I'm your host, Andrew Chamberlain, and I'm delighted that you can join us for this conversation. You can subscribe to the Testimony Podcast on all of the major podcast distributors and follow us on Twitter at TestimonyCast. Hello and welcome to episode 36 of the Testimony Podcast. My guest for this episode is a friend of mine. It's the author, blogger and writing coach, Ruth Lee. Now, I met Ruth relatively recently through a mutual friend and she's spoken at a conference I organised in Cambridge, England last year, 2021. Ruth is a warm and funny person and that generosity of spirit that I think characterises her comes out in her writing and in her speaking. And it's a real gift from God, I think, that she has. In this episode, we talk about trusting that we are assured of God's precious love for us as his children and that he wants the best for us and we should ask for what we want and our heart's desire from him. We talk about the fact that everyone has a story to tell and we should be prepared to listen to that story and give people a chance. And we talk about how important it is for us all to follow those little nudges that God gives us through the promptings of the Holy Spirit. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, you can meet Ruth in person. She'll be speaking at the British Christian Writers Conference in Cambridge on Saturday, the 3rd of September, 2022. There's still a few tickets left for that event. Just search for it on the internet. I had a wonderful time talking to Ruth, as I always do. And this is her story. Okay, Ruth, welcome to the Test Me podcast. You and I have been great chums for a little while now. It's a real pleasure to have you as my guest today. Looking forward to hearing some of the stories that you're going to be sharing with us. Always an absolute treat to talk to you. Great way to start my day. Thank you. So why don't we start by you telling us a little bit about your background, your history, maybe how you came to faith, and a little bit more about, about you. Okay. Well, I'm from Essex, and as I always say, I hope you won't hold that against me. Um, from West Essex, which um, is sort of on the edge of commuter land in the forest. So born in a very small village. Uh, my parents had recently married quite late in life, so I had older parents, and church was a huge part of life. I mean, that was pretty much our social life. We'd walk over maybe, I don't know, half a mile across the green with my mum and my nana and my sister every Sunday, go to church, come back, go to Sunday school, go to girls' brigade. So it was very much something that I knew lots about. Um, so I always got very high marks in my scripture exams, which is something we used to do in the 1970s. Um, so I knew it all but I didn't really feel that relationship that everybody talked about. Um, so yeah, my early years were really characterized by a lot of reading. I was a very solitary child. I would go off quietly by myself. I'd make a little nest behind an armchair and just read and read and read. I had an imaginary country. I had an imaginary friend, three actually imaginary friends. So I was your classic sort of bookish nerd type. Got to high school past 11 plus, which is something else we did in the 1970s. Went to an all-girls grammar up the road, uh, which was not good. Um, so my teenage years were, I think we would characterise them as challenging and difficult. I didn't, didn't bother going to church anymore. That was all off the, the table, really. Um, and it wasn't until I was 26, actually, that I came to an actual personal faith, um, which is a story in itself. We might save that for another day mm. in itself. Um, got married when I was 27. Um, I'd been living in Exeter, came back to Essex with my to, to marry my lovely husband um, many, many moons ago. That must have come up for 30 years now. Um, lived for 10 years or so um, in Essex, worked in London. Then we were expecting our second child, moved up to Suffolk, um, and we've been here for 16 years. And in that time, I've done any number of jobs. Um, I 
became a freelance writer about 15 years ago, which is brilliant. Um, ran a catering company, which we wound up last year. And the whole fiction writing business happened in lockdown, largely because of the Association of Christian Writers, of which I'm a member. So that's mm-hmm. a, now I'm a full time writer. Okay, so so actually now that is that is your job, isn't it? You you yeah. you're out. You're writing. You're selling your books. You're you're out there doing your thing. I'm actually quite literally out there. Uh, Mr. Lee and I spend most weekends now on the circuit, um, doing craft fairs, selling books, meeting people, mm. Mm. Uh, and it's it's fantastic. Honestly, I got the idea from Sheila Robinson from ACW. She told me about it. She said she goes out selling her books, and we just enjoy it so much. You meet fantastic mm. people. It's a very good discipline because when they say, what's the book about? You can't give them like a three hour discourse. You have to give them an elevator pitch and it has to be good, obviously. Yes. That's yeah. where a great blurb comes in. That's why I'm so grateful yeah. to IA, Instant Apostle, my publisher, for so many reasons. One yeah. of them is that they really help you to craft a great blurb. You know, you just give them the book and say, read the back. So that's, that's good. I mean, when we so when we finished our conversation, I'm going to ask how, how people can find out about you a little bit more but maybe we could just spend a moment and you can tell us about the main project that you're working on this series can you tell us a little bit about your your main protagonist and what how that came about yes of course uh well she's called Isabella M Smooge as in Bruges as I always point out to people her name spells out I am smug because she is very very smug when we first meet her uh she's an insanely successful Instagram influencer bookstagrammer tiktoker blogger you name it she's got a finger in that pie uh, she's an expert on bringing up children, obviously, which is ripe for comic um, comic sides. Yes. She knows all about interiors, so I have to do as well. Uh, cooking, entertaining, hospitality, um, designing your house, throwing a party. She's the author of a very successful uh, series of books called Izzy Smooge Says. So Izzy Smooge Says, let's have a party. Izzy Smooge Says, let's decorate downstairs toilet. You know, this kind of thing. So she's she's everywhere. Terribly successful, extremely rich. Very happily married when we first meet her to a charming, dashing man. Mm-hmm. Children, Latvian au pair. For some reason, they decide to move to Suffolk, um, to a very small village. She moves into the grade two listed old rectory, prances onto the playground um, in the first book, expecting everyone to fall at her feet. Surprisingly, they don't. Um, and life starts to take a very unexpected turn for poor Isabella. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the first book, The Diary, is about her first year in Suffolk. And I do put her through rather a lot in the second. You, you do. Yeah. She's, yeah, she's, we, we see her in the trials of Isabella M. Smooge really up against it. I won't, I won't put any spoilers in. And I'm currently writing the continued times of Isabella M. Smooge where she is, um, I think she's a much nicer person. Mm. I met her. She's finally allowing herself to look back and start to look at some of the very painful things that happened to her mm. in her life, which have shaped her. Mm. making this very slow stumbling journey into faith uh, you know mm. she church from time to time more often these days she's not sure about religious people but she's met some nice ones and she's giving prayer a bit of a bash and she's finding that quite a lot of coincidences happen when she prays mm. yeah it is it's so i've read i've read that as we record this in may 2022 two of the books are out third one's out in september of this year and i've read both those first two books She's on a, almost on a journey of self-awareness, it yeah. feels like, and a gradual awareness, actually, which which relates to a lot of what people say on this podcast to me, actually, the sort of lessons they've learned and the things that God has taught them. And your character, 
Izzy Smooge, bless her. She she is being she does get go through it and she does learn a few lessons, doesn't she? Yeah, it has to be said. So let's turn then to you um, and um, aspects to your life. And I wondered if you could share with us um, some occasions where you feel that Christ has been a, a real companion to you, maybe in great times, maybe in difficult times. Can you just sort of share some of that with us? Yeah, um, you know, as I said, when I when I was going to church every week when I was a little girl, I didn't get that whole relationship thing. You know, I, I struggled. I still do, I think, with trust and sort of really believing mm. that I'm worth being loved, you know, for various reasons and that in itself mm. in the podcast. So I, when you asked me that, when you asked me that question, I, I actually had to rack my brain. And there must be lots of times in my life when I felt close. Um, and I think they've probably been in the harder times more often mm. than not. Um, so one that pops into my mind, I remember when I, this has been 2012, so 10 years ago, um, I had three children at the primary school. You know, I was really busy. I was working, doing freelance. I was not, not a calm mother. You know, I had three little children trying to keep everything going, plates in the air. And I felt God telling me that I should join the PTA. And again, that's another podcast in itself. Lots was going on at the school. Um, I really felt him saying, you know, you've got a choice here, Ruth. You can either make a difference or you can sit back on the sidelines and let things carry on. So me, me being me, naturally, I took a difficult option, which turned out to be incredibly difficult. Three years, I would say, of hell, to be honest with you. Um, very difficult times. Um, I won't go into the details, but there were some people who were very, very not keen on me at all and made it abundantly clear. So often in the mornings, I would get out of the car with children. And on the face of it, if you'd been watching me, you'd have thought, gosh, lucky her, look at her. She lives in this beautiful place, which I do. Mm. Beautiful, healthy children, which I do. And here she is going to this lovely village school. How, how idyllic. But I would often be praying my head off as I walked into the playground. Mm. Please, you know, help me, you know, go ahead of me. That was the, that was the prayer I prayed all the time, go ahead of me. Because I never knew what was waiting for me. I never knew a new attack or um, allegation was waiting. So he really brought me through that. And I think, I think even now I look back on it and I sometimes say, why did you let that happen? Why did that happen? Um, you know, could it not have been a bit easier than it was? But actually, I can see that I had to, I had to really trust him because there wasn't anyone else really. There were a few people helping me, but on the mostly I was on my own. Um, very much in the firing line of a lot of unpleasantness. And now, of course, I didn't know back then that he had this for me that I would have a writing career, which was my dream. Um, and now, of course, I can mine that um, for content, yeah. right? Obviously, yeah. but also it really strengthened my character and strengthened my belief. So that mm. was me at the time I felt him very close to me. Mm. And other times, yeah, I mean, I think I remember. Yeah, I think they're all, I mean, they're, they're, I mean, I'm getting on a bit now, Andrew, you know, I'm sort of well into my my 50s. So, you know, the old memory's not quite as acute as it once it was. But I do remember very well the day when I wrote the first Izzy Smooge blog. And that was very, very early on in my blogging career. It was only about my fifth blog I'd ever written. This was back yeah. in 2020. And I wrote it. And I remember sitting there yelping with excitement, looking at these comments coming up from other writers thinking, oh, my goodness, maybe this is going to happen. And I prayed a lot about it and said, look, you know, is there any chance that you could sort of help me get more work? And I feel, you know, I know it's not a cash machine. You don't put in a prayer and outcomes of a contract. It's not like that. But of late, often I've asked him for my heart's desire, which is writing, which I haven't really done in the past. Mm -hmm. I felt 
very sort of warm, loving, <clears throat> almost parental thing where I pray in the morning and then something happens, you know, like I'm saying, yes, you know, I want to give you this good gift. So that's happened a lot. Mm. Felt him close to me in that way. Can I just ask you a little bit more about that? Because I'm, I'm interested in exploring this. Um, I think a lot of Christians, and I would include myself in this, are a little bit unsure about how to approach this issue of asking God for what we really want. Mm. Perhaps because we feel like God's going to say, no, you can't have this. You've got to do this other thing that's very difficult and not really what you want to do. And then you're going to be even more spiritual because of it. <laughs> you know, you're going to be even more holy because I've asked you to do a Yay. bad thing or a terrible <laughs> thing and, and all this sort of stuff. But And then actually just confronting the issue of asking for something and expecting something which we want. How did, how has that worked for you? Can you just describe it a little bit more? Because I think it's really interesting for people to try and hear that process. Yeah, yeah that's really easy to answer because there's two things in my mind. Um, firstly, back in the day when I was still living in Essex and going to Buckers Hill Baptist Church, I had some excellent friends who I would say were mentors, you know, who were really wise, great friends who taught me so much when I was quite new to it all, mm. saying just this thing. And she said to me, well, you know, you just say, if it's your will, you know, if you're not sure about something, just say, I really would love this if it's your will. Mm. I said, okay. So I tried that and that seemed to work. And then around about the same time, I just had my first child and I was talking about, we were talking about this, I think a home group or something. And she said, well, when you stand in the night, you know, when you hear your baby crying or you hear your baby stirring and you get up and you run to his bedroom and you look at him in his cot, what do you feel? And I said, well, I just feel, you know, huge love. You know, I just look at him and think, you know, whatever you need, I'm here for you. Mm. Well, that's that's the relationship. And I, that had never occurred to me before. Mm. Mm. And as the children have grown and now they're all teenagers, um, you know, we have a really good relationship. And all, those, <laughs> all that hard grind, you know, from birth to about, I don't know, about 10, which was pretty grim. And I always thought I messed it up. It seems to have borne fruit because I'm not overindulgent I don't give them everything they want and I've no. had no lots of times and put in really firm boundaries but whenever possible my husband and I would always like to give them what they would like you know yeah yeah so if I go to the skate park today please can you take me to see my friend and you're a bit tired and you're a bit busy rather than too busy generally nine times out of ten we go yeah go on then and that has borne fruit because they know mm. openness with us that they can ask us for anything they know we're not going to always say yes but they know we've got their best interests at heart. And I think understanding that as a parent, I now can transfer that across to my relationship with God and see that mm. actually it's that that's the sort of uh, the um analogy I would use. You know, I'll ask him for things, he won't always give them to me, but he's always listening. And if he can, he will, I suppose. That sounds a little bit venal, but you know what I mean. Mm. No, I think that's I think that's really good. I'd I'd, I'd like that that sense of we are God's precious children and he does want to give us good things. And I guess I suppose it's just developing the trust in him and developing the faith that God can give us, will give us good things. And we, we can dare to at least think about what we want. And as you say, we can contextualize it in it's your will, Lord, not, not ours. Okay. Can you, can you think of any other times when maybe you felt God has been close to you? Um, when I was having my first baby, um, which was back in Essex, I was a youth leader at the time, <clears throat> the aforementioned Buckersteel Baptist, which I absolutely loved. I loved my youth, still know lots of them now. They were just the most amazing kids. And most of them, I suppose they were between about 12 and 17 at the time. 
And everyone was terribly excited because I was the only pregnant person in the church at the time. And um, we were in our late thirties before we started a family. So I've been married for a long time. So it was, it was big news. Everyone was terribly excited because mm. uh, we hadn't had a church baby for a while. So anyway, I was wandering around, you know, being pregnant as you, as you do. And I was due in August and all the kids were off to Soul Survivor. And I'm, I'm trying to think which one they were at. I think they were probably the Somerset one. Anyway, they were off at Soul Survivor. And I was due on the 7th of August, 2003, which was a very, very hot year. I don't know if anyone remembers it, but it was a heat wave. So I was staggering about with these flip flops, which I was sick to death of, these huge swollen ankles, and they're very hot and bothered. And this baby was absolutely not coming out. Um, in book two, Isabella has the same experience, which is all me. And I was just fed up, you know, day after day after day went by. People kept texting me, ringing me up, saying, haven't you had it yet? No, I haven't. And I was getting quite cross. So anyway, when mm. I finally, you know, after about two weeks, I was taken into hospital to be induced. And even then he wasn't coming out. And this has translated into his life. He has a very relaxed attitude to life. And I think <laughs> he'd probably still be in there had, had action not been taken. So off I went. Finally, I was chemically induced and I was... Um, on this roasting hot night in this hospital, you know, giving birth to this child. And um, I was texting everybody, obviously, and they were texting me. I, I, in between contractions, I was sending texts and the midwife was laughing hysterically and saying, I've never seen anything like it. So everyone was praying. And then we got to this bit where the midwife said, right, you've got to stop pushing. And I hadn't done this before. And I hadn't realised that your body is designed <clears throat> in such a way, very cleverly, that it, it knows what to do. So I was sort of standing there holding onto this bed with these enormous contractions and all you want to do is push. It's like your mm. heart is screaming at you. Mm. And she said, you can't push for a bit, okay? When a contraction comes, I need you not to push because the baby has managed to twist himself around and his head is banging on your cervix and we don't want that happening. So I was like, what? You are kidding me, surely. You know, here I am doing a jolly good job, though I say it myself, <laughs> you know, contracting away <laughs> like that. Everything was going really well, although it hurt a bit, obviously, but I didn't care because I was so glad he was finally coming out. So in between these contractions, I texted the entire youth group going, look, please pray, you know, and explain what was happening in between sort of grunts and groans. And I'll never forget it. She said, right, stand on your tiptoes and just um, sort of go up and down on your tiptoes. That will help. So I'm like, you know, making these terrible noises, like some sort of cow stuck in a quagmire or something. And every time one came on, I would pray like anything. And one of them, I can't remember who it was, sent me, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and all your soul and lean not on your own understanding. Mm. So every time I felt one coming on, I would grip my teeth and say this to myself. And about two out of four times it would work. Um, and, <laughs> you know, you could say, well, okay, Ruth, you could just, that could just be a coincidence. But I could feel, I could feel the, oh, I don't know what you'd call it, the power helping me. I couldn't do it in my own strength. It was terrible. Mm. But that, that, that sort of loving care and help and that verse helped me not to do it, if you know what I mean. You know, even yeah. he had a bit of a bruise on his head, but that might sound a bit yucky and a bit weird, but that was such a strong memory for me. It is such a strong memory for me that even when you're in such a place, you know, in a delivery, yeah. you only have to ask and the help will come. Yeah. No, that's real life, isn't it? I mean, it is. it doesn't get much more real than childbirth, does it? I guess oh. <laughs> it's that's pretty kind of... Yeah, real, let's say, physically real. Okay, Um, so we're coming towards the end of our our conversation. I wondered if there was a kind of anything else you wanted to share with us, a sort of little bit of wisdom or something that 
you live by or something that you think is important that people should hear? Mm, that's a good question. Um, yes, actually, yes. Um, I'm, I've never been one for the big old waggy judgy finger. I don't like that, you know, judging and shunning people because of what they look like or what they believe or that you don't like them. And I hope that comes across in Isabella. You know, when mm. when I was on the playground telling everyone about the groups we were running at church, I didn't, you know, people say, but you talk to everybody. And I say, yeah. And and they say, yeah, but you even talk to her. I'm like, what do you mean, her? No, I don't, I don't see people, I don't think, in the way that others sometimes do. Perhaps I don't, I don't know if you read about Christians, but, you know, there are, I, I never want church to be a club. I'm very anti that. So yeah. I just see people as people. And I've had a few experiences of late where I've been out and about selling books and you get all kinds of people, all kinds of people, mm-hmm. other mm-hmm. stallholders, other customers, you know, whatever it is. And quite often I'll get a sort of little feeling and I'll look at them and they'll be selling things of a spiritual nature. Um, they might be, um, you know, doing new age stuff. They might be doing stuff that I would consider part of the occult, which I don't have anything to do with because it's not what I believe. And I had a particular example of this where I met this dear sweet lady at, a, at an event. She was very, very nice. Um, absolutely not doing the kind of things that I would do. And I had a choice. I remember sitting there praying, thinking, right, God, what do I do? I can either sit there, you know, as a good Christian, thinking, good heavens, how utterly frightful, you miserable sinner, I will not have anything to do with you, which I would never do. Or just go over and say, hi, I'm Ruth, how are you? Chat, chat, chat. I I went for option two. And she was lovely. I didn't agree with what she was selling, but she was lovely. And she came over and said, well, can I buy your book for my mother-in-law, please? I said, yeah, of course you can. So I signed this book, gave it to her. She gave it to her for Christmas. So that book is now in that household. And I suppose distilling that down is you never know about his mm. story. Everyone's got a story, mm. know what mm. it is. And you shouldn't mm. try to work out what it is and you shouldn't judge. Um, I just, there's a time for saying to people what you think and what you believe. And there's a time for just being a really lovely person and being friendly and polite. Mm. That's nine times out of 10. That's well, no, 10 times out of 10. That's what I would do. Not because I'm some fabulous saintly type. It's not that. It's just, I know only too well myself that when I wasn't a Christian, I was very much anti lots of really lovely people who were Christians didn't judge me and they were really kind to me. And that made a huge difference to me. Mm -hmm. So I haven't got any right. I don't think to go around wagging my finger at anybody for whatever they've Mm -hmm. been. I just think everyone's got a story, get to know them. That would be my wisdom for the day. Mm -hmm. It sounds like you are, I don't know whether you'd say good. I think you're good at it. Oh, thanks. Uh, you are well-practiced at just sensing maybe what God is asking you to do and just stepping out and doing it. Yeah. Um, and we all feel this from time to time, get a hunch that we should, as you said, go and just go and talk to that person, somebody we wouldn't normally talk to maybe. And actually we should f- kind of be a bit brave and follow that through and go yeah. and talk to people because you yeah. never know. Yeah, I get that all the time. I'm always getting little nudges, you know, um, and it always leads to something. You just never know. My life is richer for it. You have a nudge rich life. I do have a nudge rich life, Andrew. Yes, indeed. (laughs) Love those nudges. And of course, the nudge appears in book two, people. Yeah, it does. (laughs) It's interesting when you say that, if you people read the book, the second book particularly there is this constant pushing your main character out of her comfort zone, just reaching out to people that she wouldn't have, I don't think she'd have reached out to them or engaged no. them in the first book or Good the Lord beginning no. of the first book. 
And there's quite a reflection in that of that in the Christian faith, just reaching out to the people around us. Scary, but good. Yeah. Okay. So we've heard a little bit about you. We've heard a little bit about your your walk of faith, your encounters, your fellowship with Christ. People want to find out a little bit more about you and your work. How would they do that? Right. It could not be easier. Um, I'm on all the socials. So I'm on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram as Ruth Lee Wright. So that's Lee, L-E-I-G-H, and then Wrights as in inscribes, Ruth Lee Wrights. And then my website is ruthleewrights.co.uk. On there, you can find a shop. So if you want to buy a signed copy from me with merch, as you know, Andrew, I'm very keen on the old merch. As you is- do love merch. Yes. Your, your, I do love merch. Your, your table and, and all your presented stuff is a thing to behold, isn't it? A- <laughs> yes, it certainly is. Beautifully put. So um, you can get a signed copy from me. Um, you can go on any of the platforms and have a look at what I'm doing. I'm, I blog a lot. I chat a lot. I do readings on TikTok and Reels on Instagram. If you're not sure about yeah. buying my book, which is completely understandable, check out the reviews. There's been some lovely things said by people. Mm. Um, yes, they are available. If you, I'll be sending out information on pre-orders um, for book three. And that comes out as a pre-order in September and it's available in the shops in October. Obviously, go online, you'll find it all over the place. Um, and it's in, I must mention locally, it's in three wonderful bookshops in Suffolk. And I'm so grateful to all those bookshop owners for supporting me. You can get it in the Woodbridge Emporium, Aylesworth Bookshop and Dial Lane Books in Ipswich. And I would say always shop locally if you can. So anybody who happens to be from that sort of area in Suffolk, Ipswich around there, those those are the places that that they, they can go and buy your book. Yeah. Wonderful. Okay. Um, and we should mention for people who are listening to this before September this year that you will be at the British Christian Writers Conference on September the third. And uh, so people want to meet you in person. You are you're coming with your team, and you? Yes, I, I am. I finally got an entourage. I've been you have an entourage for an entourage, and I finally got one. I'm bringing Mr. Lee, who is the logistics and distribution manager and head of nutrition. And lovely Jason, who is head of marketing and a magnificent person. They both are. So my entourage will be coming with me, obviously. I, I was Fabulous. solo last year, which was a bit of a come down, you know, just walking in by myself. But clearly I'll have people to carry things for me and generally bow and scrape this year. <laughs> we will notice when you arrive. Yes. So oh, that's you the, will. Yes. We will, won't we? Yes. And in fact, um, the lovely Jason, as you call him, uh, Jason Smith, who is uh marketing expert yeah he is going to be so you're going to be speaking at a conference he's going to be speaking as well um so that is the british christian writers conference september the 3rd at ridley hall in cambridge that'll be a treat i absolutely love it's gonna be great fun oh amazing if anyone hasn't booked their ticket book it now genuinely and i don't use this phrase lightly it was life-changing i'm actually not being funny it did actually change my life last year I stood up there talking and someone came up to me and spoke in that voice that I use when I meet another writer. And I realized that I actually was a proper one. I thought, oh my goodness, mm. these people really believe I'm a writer. Yeah. Yeah. You are the real deal. Yeah. Okay. Um, Ruth, lovely to talk to you. Always you a pleasure. And thank you for sharing some stories from your life with us today. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Testimony Podcast. You can subscribe to the show on all of the major podcast distributors and also follow us on Twitter at TestimonyCast. If you want to find out more about the Christian faith and connect with someone to talk about your experiences or answer your questions, just go to www.christianity.org 
uk from wherever you are in the world. You can also contact us by email at thetestimonycast at gmail.com. That's thetestimonycast at gmail.com. I look forward to sharing more of the stories that matter from people of faith with you soon. Until then, thank you for listening and God bless you. <laughs>